Welcome to the second episode of Demol Belgi Season 7 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who isn't sure if you've ever seen a pig sweat, Logan Saunders. Good morning. Good morning. And bienvenue uh, Bali still, isn't it? Yep, I'm in Bali today. To... What day is it today here? It's Wednesday. <laughs> there, check. Wednesday, yeah. So I have all day today, all day tomorrow, and then I leave uh, pretty much first thing Friday morning for Malaysia. Yay! And not seeing Eamon. And not seeing him. I'm seeing him for one day. <laughs> I'm sure I will get a few pictures from that, knowing both of you and Eamon, actually. <laughs> Very good chance. <laughs> and what have you been up to this week? What have I been up to? Let's see. I got Bolly Belly. That was fun. Bolly Belly is one of the most fun experiences you can have with, when traveling. You start off feeling super nauseous and tired on the first day. And the second day, you're pretty much in the bathroom all day. The third day, you're in the bathroom all day. The fourth day, you're slowly starting to recover. And then by the fifth day... You can actually resume your trip. Yay! So when you come to Bali, don't do a one or two week vacation. Because if you get Bali belly, that pretty much takes up your whole trip. Sounds like you had a shit week. Pun intended. And and on top of that, two out of the three days while I was staying at my in the right in that rice field, super beautiful, super scenic, probably the best views I've ever had in a hostel. There was so such heavy downpour that, like it nearly the step it nearly flooded up to our steps, and they already have like anti-flooding defenses. But there was so much rain that that they don't even really that we don't even really get for the area. Like usually, what happens in Bali during rainy season is you have a half hour downpour, and then everything's fine. And they usually will only happen like three or four days out of the month. That's what they consider a rainy season in Bali, but uh, but they say this was this is like one of the worst months ever, and I think like four out of the last five days there's been downpours that last at least an hour. Sometimes they've lasted like two or three hours, and that's with other little rains mixed in during the day. So two out of three days I've had to put up with flooding. But the thing is that it dries up so fast that. Uh, that within like an hour or so, like even if it's raining a little bit, the water actually decreases enough, even if it's pretty much nighttime, that the flooding is almost uh, is almost gone after uh, after a huge uh, downpour. So you've had a fun week then? Yeah, it's been memorable. And I try to order in food during the flooding, but no drivers want to deliver food in the flood. So anyway, this episode... So last week, everyone was shocked by the revelation that no more had been chosen yet before they were interrogated to determine who would get the offer. And three people were shortlisted before the mole spoke to Gilles and assumed their role. It would have been funny if they rejected it. Just be like, eh. Yeah, no. Yeah, change my mind. The juggling was too much. You guys tested me. I assume we saw everyone's conversations with Gilles out of order because if I were them, I definitely would have made the mole be the first of the three to go up to the desk just in case they said no. And then you go, oh yeah, we were we were definitely intending on it being you all the time for the second choice. Yeah, should be funny. Yeah, you have to call them back. <laughs> you want to be your afterthought? Do you want to be our backup mole? 
<laughs> our reserve. Yeah. We don't think he'll do that good of a job as the person we had in mind, but well, we are, we've already started filming, so <laughs> we need you. And this episode opens with the wonderful clip on the first night of Jill having to sneak out and brief them all for the first time in the world's worst insulated hotel in the middle of the night. <laughs> and this scene just kind of encapsulates why I think Belgian Mole is by far the best version. Because it feels like we're tagging along for these people's adventure rather than being an integral part of it. It feels more documentary-ish. I agree. Well, we talked about it as like a like a travel a travel log. But this scene more than any other, I think, has kind of encapsulated that idea for me. Especially, especially when production is so transparent, saying this is the worst insulated hotel possible, but we still have to brief the mole anyway somehow. Yeah, I would assume there would have been location scouts of some description. So how did nobody think? Hmm. If we're doing this rather important twist. Maybe we should just, I don't know, test the acoustics of the hotel. Yeah, or find like a really heavy-duty bunker or something. But there's some very interesting choices in the actual editing of this scene, because the scene where everyone got interrogated and we see kind of quotes, there's got to be a hint in there, surely. That is like prime hint hiding. Yeah, but we're never going to catch on to what the hint was supposed to be. Oh, not at all but I'm putting it out there now. I suspect a hint is hidden in there. And if when we're sat in Kenneopolis in in Antwerp, we see that this was a hint, I'm going to be quite smug. Oh, I'm I'm sure you will be. I mean, I'm going to be quite smug anyway, purely because I'm going to be there, but I'm going to be super smug if I'm right on my instinct here. And then the next morning, the jet lag affects everyone in a different way. So Yuri goes for a run, and Ava can't see, slept in, and doesn't recognise Elizabeth when she comes to wake her up. We have an 11th contestant? Hans? Uh, <laughs> I have no idea, I'm just this blind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't you know this one, the effects of jet lag, Michael? Temporary blindness? <laughs> to be fair, I'm assuming they usually get a couple of days to get over the jet lag, so the jet lag just adds a bit of extra fun for us. In that these people were literally just thrust into the game straight away as soon as they landed, rather than having a little bit of downtime first. One hidden clue they can't use this year, then, is they can't use the I lie with my eyes clip. How is she going to take the quiz? She's going to need, like, a Braille laptop. Do you reckon the um, the jet lag factored into the mole choice? Because whoever dealt with the jet lag vest was probably going to stand a much better chance of being the mole just because they won't then blab about what they know. Yeah, or actually be able to re- remember that they're the mole. Or actually be able to remember how to sabotage the next couple of challenges. Yeah. Be like, something... Do I... Do I make the sauce again? Is that what I do? Have we made the sauce yet, guys? And on the way to the first challenge, we get Axel F. Boy doing his pilot voice for Brussels Airlines flying to JFK. And then someone just pops up in the back and goes, Ooh, we're going to New York, are we? <laughs> Yes, after applying to Vietnam all the way from Belgium to choose who the mole is, now you guys are going to fly again all the way to New York City. Yeah, how many of these people have seen last year's Vidim and gone, hmm, maybe the, there's going to be another um, another surprise where we all start in different countries? 
Yeah, there's the other 10 contestants actually wait in New York City as we speak. Sabotage. It's a twist. Yeah. Double executions every week until we get to a final three. Well, a final six. Surely that's a bit mean on the people who are uh, playing in New York, because they will potentially never have met them all. No, they eventually meet up in, like, episode three. Oh, right, so they merge in episode three, okay. Yeah. And if you didn't know that Lisbeth was going this week, we get at least a couple of minutes dedicated to the fact that she's a widow and brings her husband's ashes with her. I'm not really going to go into that too much, but I did have a note saying, is she going to go home now? And the answer is, yeah. Yeah, this is a classic exit edit. They tried their best to do a farewell episode for her as possible. They did, but also, it's a textbook first boot edit that she gets. At least she didn't get spray-painted. Even for people who haven't seen as much reality TV as we have, you can kind of read between the lines with this entire Lisbeth Widow scene. Considering nobody else gets a personal scene for the whole episode. And they are driven to the market for their first challenge with a mole. And the mole has already told Gilles that they will do everything to sabotage his challenge. And Gilles even suggested to them that they add extra ingredients to the recipe. <laughs> it would have been funny if the mole was so obvious saying, I'm going to do everything to sabotage this challenge. Everything. <laughs> and they like, yeah, they like tip over the Jenga towers and just stop everybody from picking up the chopsticks. And then when it's their turn to, to chop the food, they just throw everything into the bowl like a madman. And when they get to the uh, stand, they just try and seduce the judge and, you know, just make it super obvious that they are the mole. <laughs> and then Gilles turns to camera and goes, right, this season's cancelled, bring in the ten people from New York. <laughs> what? Yeah, I told you I was going to do everything to sabotage his challenge. Did you see me knock the chopsticks out of Bruno's hands? <laughs> and, and snap them in half. <laughs> or, or the time we were in the chain link and I just started running backwards from the starting line and everyone had to drag me through the rice fields and up the steps. I'm so <laughs> glad that we we got a good episode this week. Not that last week wasn't a good episode, but last week was very much a scene-setting episode for the rest of the season. This week is just a classic Belgian Mole episode of stupid people doing silly things. To be fair, the cooking challenge looked tough. The cooking challenge was impossible. <laughs> There's not a chance in hell when you have a new mole going into this that they're not going to horrifically sabotage. How many times did they make that sauce? It was at least four that we saw. And you have cats watching on a monitor just going, Stop making the sauce! <laughs> For the love of everything holy, leave the sauce alone. Well, now there's enough sauce for the whole town, for all of Ninbin. And Gilles asks for two candidates who love to cook, and Bass and Cat are the chosen ones. And the first challenge is a cooking relay. Each person will cook for eight minutes and try to make chakar, a Vietnamese fish dish. If they make it flawlessly, they can earn 3,000 euros. Bass and Cat will see a demonstration of the cooking, then do the first round of it, and then try and pass it on in a game of cooking Chinese whisper relay. And in a nearby restaurant, the other eight get the eight steps to the recipe, and they must use chopsticks to build block towers. Each complete tower earns them a step to the recipe, which they can then relay to whoever's cooking at the time. 
What if somebody knew Vietnamese in the cast? I think they probably would have screened that. Because you can kind of get away, like last year with Mexico, some people are going to at least have had an understanding of Spanish. If you find anyone who has an understanding of Vietnamese, given it's not mutually intelligible with any other language in the world, then that's super unlucky if you accidentally cast them. Yeah, find out that they were like that they were stationed there for ten years or something. They couldn't do a challenge like this in a country that has maybe a much more common language. Whereas if you have a a country like Vietnam where the language is both impenetrable and not mutually intelligible with any other major language in the world, you can get away with doing this challenge. This was a really creative challenge, by the way. Like, impossible to win, but neat in concept. Yeah, this is a typical Belgian mole challenge, in that it's really difficult to win, especially when you have a brand new mole who wants to prove themselves. But also, it ties perfectly into the culture, and is very visually interesting. Which is exactly what we want in a challenge. And Jory and who was the other last person that was with him in the Jenga? Yuri and Elizabeth. Yeah, when they actually did teamwork on that last tower. That is how you do it. That's yeah. how they should have done it from the first instance. Yeah, have them in pairs doing it. But no, they can't make it easy. And they did the last tower, which was the most useless piece of information I have ever seen. Well, at some point, the building the towers is useless anyway, because you're getting a bit too far into the cooking time where it's not going to be useful at all. Like, if you're Yuri and Elizabeth, you might as well have just given up on the last two towers because there's not a chance in hell you're going to be useful. And the plating is by far the easiest thing. And she's probably not going to bite you down for the plating. It's the taste that she's going to bite you down for. Yeah, I can't see her being like, man, this tastes perfect. But goddamn, the presentation's got awful. <laughs> it's raw. Just goes all Golden Ramsay on their ass. <laughs> Smashes the plate. She gets some Vietnamese bread and turns them there. Uh, Turns him into the new Julie Chen and says, you're an idiot sandwich. Maybe she takes down, uh, she just takes down Jill's. (laughs) Why did you have these monsters ruin such a delicious delicacy? My taste buds are forever ruined. My palate altered forever. And I have to say that putting everyone on the same table for building the towers is just evil, because they just get in each other's way. Makes it even harder. Yeah, like when the pieces casually slide into Jory's tower multiple times. I thought he was going to go Hulk on someone. Yeah, like he was sweating. It's like he was in one of those, like, uh, bomb diffusers. That's what it, like, with his hand shaking with the chopstick as he's trying to handle the Jenga piece. I'm almost there. The bomb is almost, is almost diffused. You pointed out last week that he has an additional handicap in the fact that you critiqued his uh, chopstick technique. Yeah, he's really come a long way. He did have one in each hand and was using it basically like tweezers, but that's beside the point. And Kat begins by making the dip sauce, and Bass makes the fish marinade. And it's fair to say that Bass is rubbish at making his sauce, he just keeps breaking the cloth over and over again. (laughs) And then Ingrid and Bruno are the first to switch, and they have a minute to get all the information from Bass and Kat before they have to take over the cooking. Once they leave the market, they can't help with the towers, but they can watch the cooking on a screen. And then Elizabeth is the first to complete a tower, and she gets minimal instruction for them to pass on, so doesn't bother passing it on. And Yuri, despite his lacklustre chopstick technique last week, is very close to completing the sixth tower. But Lisbeth completes step two and rings Ingrid and Bruno, but they are already on step five. That's when they realise they should have just done like the last four steps in pairs. 
I'm curious if they even would have won the challenge, though, if they did it again, like they do it if they did a do-over. Well, the question I always ask in this sort of situation is, where would you put yourself as the mole? I would say in one of the first couple pairs. Yeah, I would say you volunteer as the cook, because these people are not going to know how good you are at cooking, because you're staying in a hotel, you've not had to self-cater yet. And also, more importantly, it's the easiest place to sabotage without anyone else being able to see, because nobody watches you on a monitor. The only person you have to dupe is the person next to you. And if you're then splitting up the responsibilities, as they did, it makes it very easy to accidentally add a bit more sauce, or add a bit more shrimp paste, or add a bit more lime juice, or just cook the noodles. (laughs) Or throw in a chocolate bar. (laughs) But yeah, if you are the mole, you 100% try and get yourself into that first pair. You don't accept anything else. Yeah. You think that would be what other contestants would think too much, and then maybe being in the second pair would be fine? I'm not sure, because the trade-off is that You can either sabotage by adding extra stuff in, as Jill suggested, or alternatively, you can deliberately miss stuff out when you're doing the Chinese whispers. And I'm not sure which bit is the most integral to try and sabotage easily. I feel like if you're the third pair, that would almost be the best, because then you can just blame on there being misinformation earlier in the task, and and there'd be a lot more chaos that you can probably screw it up beyond uh, repair. But the trade-off is, of course, that the longer you wait, the more people who are watching you on the screen, and they can hear everything you're saying. Yeah, but I feel like you can just blame it on something else if you make a mistake, though. You can be like, oh, no one told me that. I think you risk making yourself a bit too suspicious if you try and sabotage towards the end, if you know what's coming. Right. I'm wondering whether Jill told the mole to try and be subtle about it. Because the main thing that we saw when he was doing his briefing with them all was that their reaction didn't change from when they were a candidate to when they were being interrogated as a potential mole. They didn't let anything on. And I think that's the key. You've got to try and be a bit more subtle, especially when everyone's going to be more heightened looking for a mole in the first challenge with one. Especially after they got duped last time. And... They're going to be checking to see how people behave in contrast to the first challenge, too. I think there are some prime opportunities in this challenge to sabotage, but I'm not sure whether you pull the triggers mole just yet. You maybe do something sort of like add in extra ingredients or accidentally forget something, but you don't do anything over the top because everyone is literally just going to look at you. And the next thing you know, you're Peter, and there's five people who figure out you're the mole. Yeah, or me figuring him out in week two, and then you saying, no, it's not him. Yeah, it can't be him, Michael, come on. That's too obvious. Holy moly. Not that I'm still bitter about the fact that I got both moles from week one or week two last year, and both of the seasons I got dragged away from suspecting them. Yeah, it's tunnel, tunnel, tunnel. You can't, can't come down that tunnel version road. Keep your options open until final three. On the subject of suspect lists as well, Dan Peake, who runs the Bothers Bar suspect list, which we wholeheartedly endorse, is currently, as we record this on Tuesday, putting together the stats for the Vidum suspect list, and is actually going to send us some bespoke me versus you ones. Oh yeah, I read about that on Twitter. That's going to be fun to see how horrible I was this year. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. And he is also running the Belgium Mole suspect list, which I am putting in the description every week. It's the same link every week. 
you can distribute 100 points to whoever you suspect. And at the end of the nine weeks, we'll find out if anyone scored 900. I'm going to go for that. Spoilers, I put all 100 points on one person this week. And we'll find that out. Who find out who that is at the end? Yes, you will. <laughs> because I also put 50 points on them last week. So, Axel and Martin are the third pair. And Ingrid says that they know nothing. Which I wrote down because it was very interesting, given that the entire marketing of this season was Yvette Neats. So in other words, they, they would do terrible at a game of You Don't Know Jack. You Don't Know Jack! Yeah. <laughs> Just going to have a look at my trophy, as always. And Axel and Martin see the pile of unnecessary stuff that Kat put there and start cutting it all up just to cook it. Yeah, why not? It's on the table. Why, why else would you have it on the table? At which point we have Ava giving Yuri a nervous breakdown when she keeps rolling blocks at his tower. <laughs> and then Jill gets the quote of the episode when he says it took a few years off his life, but Yuri managed to finish the <laughs> sixth tower. <laughs> I love Jill's sassy bastard. Uh, voiceovers. It makes me laugh so much every time. He's just a little bit bitchy towards them. <laughs> and it's not even in a, a Rick way where it's slightly malicious. I enjoy that Jill just loves teasing these people, especially in the voiceover where they can't fight back. And Ava couldn't see at all. <laughs> but somehow made it to the challenge. And Ava and Lisbeth perform the penultimate switch, which leaves Yuri and Elizabeth to do the final towers. And Martine rings the remaining two to get ingredients for the dipping sauce, not realising that it's already made, and Kat is screaming at him about it. My question is, did anyone think they were going to win this challenge? Or when was... How long did it take for the last person to realise, we think we failed this? Yeah, if you are a candidate, the best place to be is probably quite early on if you suspect you're ever going to be, like, watching everyone's actions on the screen. Maybe the fourth jar of sauce that makes you think our chances are pretty slim of snagging those 3,000 euros. But I really enjoyed the um, the facial reactions to the sauces. Varying from, oh yeah, it it's disgusting, to mm, actually, it's probably culturally appropriate. <laughs> yeah. The Vietnamese, they like shitty cuisine. <laughs> Having said that, if this is our only Vietnamese cuisine task, I'll be very disappointed because Vietnam has a history on Amazing Race of doing ridiculous food challenges. I want to see these people eat deep-fried scorpion. I hear it cures blindness. Maybe, just maybe, Ava might get cured. (laughs) I can see, guys. It only cures the blindness if you rub it into the eyes, though. You've just got to rub it in just to make sure it definitely works. Yeah, right from the pinchers. The harder the pinch, the better, the more you know it's working. The Logan Saunders story. And Yuri and Elizabeth worked together well to build the final tower, despite what Ava told them to do before she left. And then the time runs out, and the teacher now tastes the dish. If it's sellable, they win the 3,000 euros. However, she says no, they earn nothing. And the problems were the fish, the sauce, the noodles, and the unnecessary ingredients. So, everything? She should have just... As soon as she rejected it, she should have, like, just dumped out the plate onto the street in front of them. (laughs) And after the challenge, everyone goes to buy souvenirs in the market, and we see Axel take a picture of a Vietnamese lady as they've never seen someone so tall. (laughs) But Yuri can't let the dipsouse go. 
Maybe they should. Each person could have taken a jar of dip sauce home with them as a souvenir. There certainly was enough. I'm not sure they'd get it through customs. They tasted. Oh no, this is poison. This is weaponized. The sniffer dogs just go ape shit at it. <laughs> Meanwhile, somebody smuggles in cocaine. <laughs> and on day three, Gilles meets them all in the lobby of the hotel and tells them they'll be getting a bit closer by splitting into two groups: a strong group and a weak group. And once they split into the two groups, they find out they will spend the day chained together, including having to eat breakfast in their chained groups. And I wonder what everyone in the hotel was thinking. (laughs) They were just thinking, oh, those kinky Belgians. The strong group is Bass, Yuri, Kat, Lisbeth, and Martine. And the weak group is Axel, Bruno, Elizabeth, Ava, and Ingrid. And all the strong group seem to be having Coke and Fanta with their breakfast. What a way to start the day. Yeah, nothing, nothing nothing, healthier and more energizing than some Fanta. I've had Vietnamese Coke before. It's not bad. And the strong group leaves for the challenge first, and they are driven to the Karst Mountains near Ninbin. I feel like we've seen this before in another TV show. The area around Ninbin is quite popular for Amazing Race. I've got a feeling it might have been the area near, um, or the area around where Joey and, oh, Joey had his meltdown in 29. I think so too. So the strong group will set how much money can be earned on their hike. All they have to do is do the same 5km hike as the weak group, and the weak group have to match or beat their time to earn the money. And for every 10 minutes that they take, the money available drops by €250, beginning at 4000 If the weaker group don't exceed or match the strong group's time, they earn nothing, and both teams get an update via a smartwatch from Gilles's texts. And as they are in the strong group, they get an extra 15 kilo weight to carry with them, attached to Bass, who is the last in the group. And along the hike, they will see signs and potential opportunities to earn extra money for a total of 6,000 euros for this challenge. And the first sign that they come across says that they can drop their weakest link if they want to. The strong group chooses not to. And the weaker group do their introduction, and they only get a 10 kilo weight to carry with them. With Jules's text, it's funny that just to picture him just on top of this beautiful scenic mountain, and he's just stuck staring at his phone the whole time. He's just sat there going, new phone, who dis? Yeah. Best friendins. Best friendins. He lost another 250 euros. The only reason I know it was done via a text is because we actually saw it on Baz's smartwatch towards the end, I think it was. Oh, I didn't look that closely. You should know by now, I look closely at everything. Mainly because they usually ends. But yeah, it, it looked like a text on an Android smartwatch saying, Gilles, you've gone down to 1250. He should just taunt them through the text too. How is the bamboo dancing going? Have you got two left feet? Can somebody read this out loud to Ava? <laughs> Has Ava got her reading glasses? Hey guys, can you bring some, some of the sauce up up here too? So, the second board that they come across says that they can earn extra money by trying to get up a slippery ramp, but the money is only banked if the weaker group equals or exceeds their efforts. And as they go on the slippery ramp, the clock keeps ticking down for the overall prize too, and after much struggle, they manage to get 200 euros, which they then bank potentially for the weaker group to try and equal or match. The third board has a chisel. And they consider using it to remove their ball and chain, and despite Yuri being a welder, they just end up leaving the hammer and chisel, because they can't work out how to do it. And then the weaker group get to the slippery ramp, and they do also equal 200 euros, which means that that is banked regardless of the results of the challenge. However, 
At the third board, they solve the weakest link clue, realise that one of the links on their chains is plastic, and split off into two groups. Because they are intelligent people. One of the groups was intelligent people. Yeah. The weak group, this is. The strong group, just meathead it through. (laughs) And at the fourth board, the strong group sees a bamboo dance set up, and every time the last person passes a bamboo duo without hitting the bamboo, they can earn 200 euros, up to a maximum of 1,000. However, if the weak group don't beat their efforts, they earn nothing for this mini-challenge. The strong group end up getting through three rows after wasting so much time, and there is a potential 600 euros for that. And the hike finishes with a 450-step hike up Dragon Mountain. I assume that had to be the pit stop from 29. I think it was, but I'm not 100%. Um, yeah. The weak group, even with being able to split into two, still couldn't do their bamboo dancing. Nope. But they have the logical idea of, given that we're the group that has to beat the other one, maybe we should not waste time on this one. Which was not a bad strategy, and they actually try to move as fast as, as fast as they can. While the strong group... I wish Joe's would have revealed how much faster the weak group was. But I have a feeling it, it could have been a difference of like 500 euros or more. He kind of did. And I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Where would you have positioned yourself if you were the mole on this challenge? In the strong group, you could cause enough chaos by constantly wanting discussion and bogging yourselves down that way, trying to slow... It'd be the easiest way to slow down the money. Yeah, because the the two schools of thought is either slow the strong group down, either by procrastinating towards the end, and maybe making everyone wait ten minutes, or you procrastinate at the mini-challenges, try and get a nominal amount into the pot, potentially, but then obviously reduce the overall pot much more. Or alternatively, you go in the weak group, and you just try and slow them down as much as possible to earn zero. But then do you risk making yourself a bit more obvious? That's what I was thinking with the weak group. The only way that they... With the weak group, they would just rush through the challenges so much that there's no way that they would make zero euros in in all those mini-challenges. That's really the only way I think you can sabotage the weak group. Yeah, I think the mole was probably in the stronger group, just because that's that's more. There's more options for subtle sabotage in the strong group rather than the weak group. Exactly, stalling is is stalling and um, chaos of communication is always a lot more subtle and a lot easier to have everyone accept the blame. So the strong group do decide to wait ten minutes at the top to try and give the weaker group the best chance of winning. And I have a note here saying, surely it's a good idea to wait nine minutes, so you only waste one minute, and you can still keep the 250 euros, potentially. Yeah, why wait till it goes down a whole 250? Yeah, just get as close to the next 250 as you can, but just do the last step. Yeah, instead you just have to walk awkwardly stare at Jill's for ten minutes. You just have a staring contest with Jill DaCosta. <laughs> he can't acknowledge you, he just... He just... <laughs> they actually see him pull out the phone to text them. It's like, don't you just say it out louder right here, Jills? Nope. Gotta play by the challenge. Jills, such a millennial. Doesn't even talk out loud, he just texts. <laughs> and he actually said in his text, you just lost 250 euros. We're just the letter U. If he was a Gen Xer, he would have put the entire word U, but he just put the letter U. Yeah, more efficient. And although Ingrid takes a water break and Elizabeth is super dizzy, they see the finish line, 
And in the end, when the group reunites, they entombed Vajoras from the ramp, and nothing from the bamboo dancing, as the weak group just decided to bail on it because it's difficult as all hell. I like how the ramp was massive, but both groups only made like one-tenth of the way there. Yeah, it's one of those examples where you go, that looks really easy on TV. And then you get there, and it's like a 25-foot ramp, and you go, huh? How the hell am I meant to actually do decently on this? It's set up purely for comedy. Just the way they're all sliding around, just looking so hopeless. It's like they were in quicksand. Don't give him ideas, that'll be for uh, for season 8 next year. <laughs> yeah, how far can you guys go in this... <laughs> in this waist-deep quicksand. We've set off a paint bomb on you twice. We've buried you alive. We've thrown you off a wobbly Vietnamese crane. And now we're just going to chuck you in quicksand. Have fun. <laughs> oh, and we've had you be chased by ostriches. The good news is every contestant for every future season gets a commemorative bowl of sauce upon arrival. I'm so glad you didn't say that phrase during our video recaps, because I know where that conversation would have gone. Jamie and the pillow? There we go. And weirdly, the um, the ostrich challenge was actually mentioned off-air on um, on local radio on Friday evening in Britain. Oh. Because someone who shall remain nameless, but his name rhymes with Michael Harmstone, was on um, a live radio show on Friday evening. Oh, you talked about the ostrich challenge? I... Did give the mole a shout out, as is a requirement whenever I make a TV or radio appearance. I gave the mole a shout out, and off air I was explaining why we love Belgian mole so much, and explained both the drunk museum heist challenge and the ostrich challenge to people. Hopefully, they tune in. Overall, the weaker team were the faster team, though, so they earned one thousand four hundred and fifty euros out of a possible six thousand for this challenge. And this brings them up to an episode total of one thousand four hundred and fifty out of a possible nine thousand. And an overall total for this season so far of three thousand four hundred and fifty euros of a possible fourteen thousand. It's not terrible, respectable. I mean, they're already at a third of where Vidum was, and I know I told you off for making this comparison last week, but it needs to be said they're at just short of a quarter of the potential pot so far. Yeah, that's not too bad. And it is now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home, apart from the mole, who never goes home. And I did notice that Gilles's execution speech now, his test and execution speech, is very similar to Vidum's. Because I did lift that word for word again off the Vidum test and execution speech, but so did Gilles this week. Maybe he's been on a Vidum binge. Yeah, we know he watched Vidum last year at least. He poached their speech. Yeah, that, that's something interesting to keep an eye on, because Belgian Mole did appear on Dutch TV this year. The Mexico season is still, I believe, currently airing in, in Holland. Oh, they're going to love Lloyd. <laughs> that Lloyd gif from the last challenge is just so wonderfully useful for every situation. It brings such joy to my heart to see Lloyd falling through the air repeatedly. <laughs> Just messing up constantly. <laughs> and Ava says she has no idea who the mole is yet. And Ingrid says Bruno was very helpful at the challenge and dragged her to the top, so she can't see him being the mole. And Elizabeth was very weak, despite Ingrid being the weakest part of the weak team. And now probably the most important sentence, because it answers the question you asked earlier. Mars Hein says that Cass is suspicious due to waiting till the smartwatch was 1,250, when 
Had they used the weaker watch, they would have earned 2,000 euros. Wow, that's a huge difference. Half an hour? Which means that, yep, they were half an hour slower than the weak group. Yeah, the mole was in the strong group then. And given that the maximum time on that was, what, two hours? That's a quarter of the time that the weaker team were faster than the stronger team there. For Kat and Bass, they were both in the first group for cooking and in the strong group, right? Hmm. I'll say now, one of them is the person I've put 100 points on, and one of them also has a potential clue pointing towards them from last week. And they are the same person. Okay. And Axel says that Ava pulled Bruno down the slippery hill. Bass thinks that Yuri refusing to remove the ball was suspicious. And then we get the test and execution. So... The first green screen goes to Kat, and then Axel, Martijn, and Ava all get green screens, before Team Saunders loses its first player in Lee Speth. Oh. I am going to keep saying every week which team has lost a player. <laughs> Just to warn you now, especially if it's you. Ingrid's going to pull this out. <laughs> and everyone cries, including Lee Speth, and she just wanted a fun time. And then everyone says at least she got to come to come on an adventure to scatter some more of her husband's ashes. And that's where we're going to end the conversation. Yeah, because instead we have something inherently creepy to discuss in the first Diary of the Mole. Yeah, conversation with Cena and uh, Chan. What, has he got back to you? No, I mean at the end. I was going to say, don't, like, surprise me on a podcast, that's rude. <laughs> yeah, the Diary of the Mole. What were your thoughts? So unexpected and so random. So creepy. It's so creepy, yeah. It should have just, instead of it being the, this is the mole voice, it should have just been seen as reading the dialogue. I mean, I feel like if we get more of these Diaries of the Mole, they're going to end up being a major clue for the season. But it's just so creepy. I'm going to make everyone trust in me. They believe in me. So it's going to be so easy to lie to them. I feel like a murderer. I feel like a murderer beheading each one, one at a time. And I'm going to send their heads to their families back home. And I'm going to send some duck sauce to accompany it. So, next week, there's Robots. Gilles issues a warning that this week he will lie once. There's karate, and everyone sleeps with an animal. Yeah, just... <laughs> he rounds them up for the challenge. He's like, okay, you guys ready? By the way, I'm an Olympic gold medalist judo champion. Okay, let's go. What do you think Gilles' lie is going to be? That he's an Olympic gold medalist judo champion. Everyone's just going to believe it. And then at the end of the season, we like, gotcha, I was silver. Duh. Because as soon as I saw that next week trailer, my mind immediately went to an old Big Brother UK twist where Big Brother said at the start of the week that they were going to lie three times. And one of the lies was that you didn't have to nominate, even though nominations are compulsory. So I wonder if it's going to be something like that. I know I had the spy reference last week. It's Big Brother this week. Maybe he's actually going to just, when he says he's going to lie... That at the end of the episode, when he does the execution, instead of just sitting down to type in the names, he just goes on top of the table, puts the laptop on his lap, and lays back, and he's actually he actually lies down to type in the name. Maybe he's going to lie with his eyes. 
Gilles is them all confirmed. <laughs> no mole has been chosen. All ten of you were worthless choices. So for after the <laughs> interrogation, he's like... We're bringing in Sinan. <laughs> yeah, that won't be obvious. But I'm just thinking in front of the group of ten, he's like, okay, after talking to ten of you, and the three people who we thought about choosing, it's very clear who needs to be the mole. <laughs> he just goes back to the trailer. It's gonna be me. It's gonna, gonna be, be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure Jules loves NSYNC. NSYNC. Jill is the sixth member of NSYNC confirmed. Yeah, somehow more memorable than Chris Kirkpatrick. So, I'm bringing back the classic questions now. Who do you suspect who's going home next? So far, a lot of suspicion on Boss and Cat. It's really tough to suspect anyone else this week. Um, maybe Bruno gets executed next? Maybe. You reckon Team Saunders is going down to three? Yeah, I like to rally. My main suspect is Cat. And I'll tell you why. Oh, tell me why. So, last week, do you remember the hangman puzzle on the airbag? Oh, I remember not the specific letters and the dashes. So, the example that Gilles used when they brought up the animation on the screen was exactly the same letters as Yuri got when he jumped which was G-R-O-E-N-E-N, with spaces in between them. Which spells out Grün Ein, or Green One. Who got the first green screen of the episode, and of the season? Oh! That would be Kat. In addition to the fact that I'd already split on her and Martine last week, when I did the suspect list, I don't suspect Martine as the mole at all. He's like the least, he's, reminds me of, who was the guy from the Argentina season of Belgian mole? That kid? Stein. Stin? Yeah, Stein. Yeah. that's He's like in that category of, I don't suspect you at all, and I never will. He's less suspicious to me this week, but I only suspected him last week because him and Kat got very similar confessionals about always wanting to work towards the goal and try and drag the team towards it. So I thought it would be interesting if either of them were the mole. I just can't suspect somebody who looks like Buddy Holly. Cat is definitely number one. And then maybe Martine, although he's a lot less suspicious to me. I don't know who else, to be honest, and I worry that I'm going definitely down a tunnel busy route here. It's only been one episode with the mole, Michael. <laughs> I know. But also, if I'm right and it is Cat and I get 850 points on the suspect list, I win, so I don't care. Or 750 it'll be, won't it? Because uh, the reveal will be in episode 9. Um, I mean, I guess Bass goes into my top three kind of by default. I guess those three would have been the three to get the maybe message last week. And not a lot's changed in terms of those three being my suspects, just Cat is definitely a way ahead right now. And I also think it would be very interesting to pick someone as young as Cat to be the mole. They tend to draw the least amount of suspicion. Yeah, exactly, that's what I mean. We haven't had a really young mole in a while. Yeah, if only we still had Booba. It's basically like making Nikki the mole in Vidim 19, in terms of age. I think her and Cat are pretty much the same age. Yeah, except I don't think uh, Nikki could have kept as much of a straight face as Cat. <laughs> and I think that anyone from Team Saunders is going next week. 
I'm just going to root for my team now. Bruno? What? There's no way Bruno or Ingrid or whoever else I chose. I think it's wonderful that after I put together our two teams list, I did look at who Belgium suspects, and it was about 60-40 between my team and yours. There was a massive difference in suspicion for my team and suspicion for yours. Yeah, Belgians know nothing. They vape needs. <laughs> you vape needs, Belgium. You vape needs. <laughs> so, have you got anything else to say? No, I think I'm good. In that case, thank you for listening to this Dumol Belgium recap. We'll be back next week for more, more hun- for more mole hunting. I really should change that phrase because I can never say it. We will be back next Thursday for more mole hunting. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, our TV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MD Harmstead for me, and Logs for Quacky for Logan. See you next week. And I will also say, happy birthday, me, for Sunday. Oh, happy birthday. If I don't see ya. Thank you. We're not doing a, um, a birthday podcast this year, but the next episode does indeed air on my birthday. Yay! That's enough of a present. Peace out, and just chill until the next of flavoring. Yeah.